You know what we don't have anymore? What? A cool intro. We don't have a thing at the beginning of our episodes. Didn't we decide that that was dumb? That we just didn't need that? Yeah, but I almost feel like not having one is also dumb. So I'm not really sure what to do. So just the, the first few seconds are dumb. There's no way around it. Agreed. But how about just for old time's sake, what are you drinking? I don't know. <laughs> Some kind of whiskey. I'm yep. drinking wine from a Dunkin' Donuts coffee mug. So that's where I'm at. It's not Dunkin' Donuts wine. It's just in a Dunkin' Donuts mug. Right. Right. It's normal wine in a Dunkin' Donuts mug. Okay. Last week, we sort of pitched this idea of, of a very simple idea of just changing up your environment a little bit. Do something you normally do in one place in a different place. See what happens. Yeah. Start thinking about your environment. Is it important? Did it really change anything? Just start thinking about it. How important is your environment to what you do and how you feel? So what did you do? I honestly didn't do much. <laughs> I, I realized that the amount of things that I can actually change into a different place are very limited. But, okay, so recently I've been, you know, getting up at 5.30 a.m. Mm -hmm. every morning. And then I'd, I've just been writing for like half an hour or so. And usually I do that in my other chair in my room. This week I did it in a different room in my house. Okay. And then a couple of days I did it outside. So that was nice. And that's, I think I did a couple other things, but that's, I mean, that's the gist of it. I did things in a different room. <laughs> okay. So you, at the very least, you started paying attention to the environment. That's cool. My intention was to bike out to the river and try to do work like in at the waterfront but the weather kind of sucked this week so i haven't done that although i still want to but i decided to hook up my vr headset and do some software development in virtual reality i thought that yeah, would be kind way of a, cooler than what i did i know i was hoping to you know win the competition of cool thing we did this week uh so it was actually pretty interesting, and it did exactly what we'd hoped, which has got me thinking a lot about environments and what they do. So what I did was I have the VR headset on. It was actually a pain to set up. I, things aren't quite there yet in terms of really working in VR, so it was kind of experimental. But I'm in this virtual space in the, a mountain range, and I open up a, a terminal, a terminal emulator, and this big kind of window that floats in front of me and then it, it's awkward because i have to use the the vr controllers to manipulate stuff and build my little environment and then i have to set them down and then grab my keyboard and start typing um so it was there's a couple things it did that i think are interesting and it, it started to formulate this idea uh or almost model i guess of, of what i want from the environments that i'm in so the first thing that you notice right away when you're working on this window inside of this virtual reality environment is that you cannot get distracted. It's not that it just isn't distracting. It's that you have this thing physically strapped to your head. If you wanted to pick up your phone, you cannot. And it's, I mean, in theory, you could open a browser window, but the way this was set up, mostly because it was so clunky, I couldn't do that. So I'm, I'm literally locked into just this window and I can look around at the mountain range, but that's it. 
So it it actually created an environment that was a little bit similar to uh, what we were describing with the the phone experiment where you don't have your phone with you while you're say reading a book. And at, at first you kind of have that feeling of, ah, I really want to put my mind on something else. I don't want to sit here and only read this book. But after a while you settle into doing that. Um, it created that with the computer where I'm working on some code and I kind of get bored. I want to get distracted, but I, I physically cannot do anything else unless I, you know, pull everything off and get out of it. So it, it emulated that environment pretty well where it's just, does not allow you to become distracted. And that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I, well, okay. One, one thing I started doing was thinking about just really just analyzing the environment that I was already in. Yeah. So at, at my office at work, I started and I don't want to mention the super top secret thing, right? We're not ready to mention that yet. No. Okay, no. we're not going to talk about that. Okay, but <laughs> a different time. But what I can say that I started doing was I started writing down every little distraction that came up. Every single distraction that I noticed, I would write yeah. it down, which was a little time consuming, but also very informative. Mm-hmm. And instantly, I start coming up with this huge list of of things that are distracting me with that I've never really considered distractions before. But mm-hmm. when you're looking for, for real distractions, all of a sudden they become really apparent. And I start writing down, you know, people talking, people standing behind me, people rolling around in their chairs, uh, high heels <laughs> walking across the office, uh, just like all sorts of things. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, someone's computer music is playing too loud. Just, I come up with this huge list. And then I started doing that uh, while I work from home. And I have a lot of trouble making a list at all <laughs> because it's so quiet and peaceful and wonderful and I'm able to to get a lot of work done. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, it was interesting to sort of compare the two environments and see what profound effect they have on me. So mine that's was, one thing I started doing. Yeah, my, my experience was a bit similar in that, you know, I'm used to working at my PC and I have multiple monitors and this really powerful machine. And it's it's set up to be really easy for me to switch from one thing to another and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and then I put on the VR headset. And again, because it's so difficult to actually launch something inside of this VR environment, I'm, I'm pretty much locked into one thing. And it makes me realize, wow, this is really different. Like the amount right. of distractions and things that are available to me is is just night and day compared to my normal working environment and i don't really want to work in vr forever because it just it's too uncomfortable over time but it made me reflect on holy crap my normal working environment is so distracting and there's something that you said a, a while back i forget what we were even talking about but you had said something about how you're kind of wired to see and and process distractions like if if mm-hmm. a guy with a gun walks in your room you're supposed to notice you're built that way it's kind of a presumably a survival thing where if something new happens your mind is built to see it and and process it basically what i mean is that if something comes up like if if a notification pops up on your desktop it 
it will distract you. It, it's not a matter of willpower. It's not a matter of anything. If that happens, it will pull your attention away. If oh. if I'm sitting on the sidewalk working on my laptop and somebody walks past, like I'm going to look at them. Like they're just, they're going to enter my vision and my brain is going to say, are they going to murder you or not? They're not. Okay, cool. Now well, we can go back to what we're doing. Like anything that presents itself to you is going to pull your attention away to it. That's just how we're built. Yeah. And, and while I was listing out all of these different distractions at the office, I noticed that most of them were just sort of my brain processing it. Like mm -hmm. if someone is having a conversation as they walk by me, my, my brain pays attention to it and then lets it go and I'm right back to work. If, if someone's standing behind me, it bothers me more. Like it, it really starts to, I just, God, I hate it. When they just stand there and talk to someone else or look at what I'm doing, it, it really bothers me. But as soon as they walk away, I'm good again. Mm -hmm. The worst type of distraction is when someone comes over and starts talking to me. Even if they only say a couple things, it's like it just totally breaks any focus I had. And I have yeah. to spend a lot of time recovering from that. So it was interesting to start seeing these different levels of distractions. And our brains are always searching to process those those things that happen and some of them are more are more of a threat or just more intense th than others yeah i guess yeah one thing i noticed too uh well okay again not to we're not gonna talk about the secret project but if you if you pay attention to those moments of your your mind leaving and kind of jumping to something else when i start something out let's say I, i'm you know it's nine o'clock starting work, got my project in front of me and I'm, I'm getting going, my my mind continuously jumps to other things. And if I'm in an environment where there's a lot of distractions, it's, it's extremely bad, where it's almost every few seconds. I'm just like constantly moving to something else. And it's almost like, you know, when you, when you have a dog that's upset or anxious or something, like maybe the owner left and they're, you know, barking or something, if you put them in a room, put them in a crate with a towel over it or something like that it, like you put them in this new environment and it takes a minute but if my cat just burst through the door and screeched at me cool timing into an environment pets. yeah right <laughs> if you put an animal in this new environment it takes a little while but then the environment kind of soaks in and they they calm down and they they stop you know reacting to whatever that's what it feels like for me if i put myself somewhere it takes a little while for my mind to start settling in to where it can kind of go, okay, nobody's going to murder you. Everything around here is fine. And then I can start to get, you know, it, it settles on the thing that I want it to settle on, but it takes a little while. And the environment that I'm in, the number of distractions and the frequency of those distractions, if it's too much to where I'm constantly getting prompted by things, sometimes it just does not happen where I am never able to really settle in and let my mind sit on something. I need the environment to be quiet enough, not necessarily literally quiet, but I, I need to see few enough distractions to where I just start to settle in. And if there's too many, it just doesn't happen. So you said that you started figuring out what it is you want from your environment is getting rid of distractions, the main goal, 
you think, or, or the main thing that you want out of your environment? So here's what I want from an environment. The distraction thing obviously is important. It, I, like you can't, if you want to study for your physics class, you don't go to the club. It's too distracting. So that like that's goes that one's simple. Uh but there's more to it than that. You know, you could sit <laughs> I love that your cat is distracting you. Yeah. This like... is not a good podcast environment. No, it's like she knew. <laughs> really smart about that. Okay. Distraction-free is not the only metric for an environment because you could go sit in like a cold, dark room and work and that's not great either. It won't be distracting, but it's also distressing, right? So in order for me to, to do well on a, a thing, on a task, uh, I, I need to be relatively distraction-free. A little bit is okay, but it can't be a lot. But I also need to be... Uh, energized, alert, aroused. Oh, I knew you'd say that. Yeah, I ha it's just it's the word. It's what it's the word. And so, if you're somewhere that's dark and like that, does not cause you to be very alert. And and it from a physiological perspective, you need adrenaline. You need those motivating energy creating hormones and it's more to it than hormones but that's part of it right you know if you're half asleep you aren't able to think at your best or even close to your best you like you just you need to be alert and awake and part of that part of the reason why we're so obsessed with sleep and circadian rhythm is because if your circadian rhythm is really dialed in then that gives you at least in part that hormonal boost at the right times of the day where you become very alert in the same way we said last time where, you know my cat starts to go nuts at 11 why i don't know that's just the time where she goes insane and has and it's tons of energy like that's part of trying to get your circadian rhythm dialed in but the environment that you're in uh determines your alertness level uh really strongly you know, if I'm in a you know an empty room with nothing there, I just feel lethargic and and not energized at all. But if I'm with other people, other human beings being around like raises your alertness quite a lot. In fact, I've been this is very out of character for me, but I've started jogging recently, and I have my my watch that tracks my heart rate and pace and everything it has like a little GPS thing, and so I I'll have my pace. You know, I'm, I'm jogging and I'm super slow. I mean, I'm like just learning. So my, you know, mile pace is like 930, 945, something like that. Very slow. But I'll start passing people. Like I'll just see other, there'll be other people on the sidewalk or around me, or there's just, a, maybe there's a bunch of people and I got to kind of navigate through. And so I, I kind of like, well, I got to go on the road and then go around the car and this and that. And then I'll look down and I'm going 815. You know, my mile pace speeds up right. by over a minute. Because the other people around me just caused me to become much more alert. So, point is, one of the major things that I want from an environment is that I want alertness. I want to feel very awake. And I won't say it again. I want to be energized. <laughs> and, and that's a major part of the environment that you're in. Uh, the, the problem there 
is that it needs to be um do you remember the episode we did on the two-factor theory of emotion yes a long With time the adrenaline yeah yes. right so just to recap there's this experiment they did in the 50s was it can't remember uh sure basic they so these ethically questionable scientists injected a bunch of people with adrenaline and they did not tell them that they injected them with adrenaline uh, but they they told them to expect different things so for one group they said uh, you're gonna feel agitated you're gonna feel these effects of adrenaline they didn't actually call it adrenaline because they were still lying to them about what they did to them but they basically described the the emotions that they're gonna feel and then there's another group where they they didn't tell them anything and there's another group where they told them oh your feet are gonna itch or something stupid that was irrelevant right so they they gave people adrenaline in the same dosage they told them different things so they created a different expectation in their mind and then they put them in different environments they, they put them in one where there was a like a test administrator that was really agitated and upset and they looked to see how these people reacted and then they put them in another room where there was this really happy euphoric type test administrator and they looked to see how those people responded basically they gave them all adrenaline they put them in different environments they told them different things and the result was for some of them they also became really agitated and upset but others became euphoric and really happy and others became really calm depending on what they were expecting to feel and the environment that they were put in in terms of what the person in front of them was doing point is in a sense, like you can go anywhere and get alertness and energy, right? There's a lot of people around. There's, you know, something happening that kind of wakes you up and makes you feel energized. But the way you perceive it is really critical for how that actually or what that results in with you. So if you were somewhere <clears throat> where, I don't know, people were arguing and yelling, that would wake you up. You'd feel really alert but you would likely feel frustrated and angry and agitated. And it's like the adrenaline that bubbles up inside of you is directed in a very bad way where it leads to frustration and everything. But if you're somewhere where it's, there's a lot of activity in the sense that it's, it's waking you up, but it, you perceive it in this very calm, positive way. Like for me, if I'm in a, coffee shop and there's a bunch of other people studying and drinking coffee and there's you know d indistinct conversation happening that wakes me up a lot especially if it's bright and i'm having coffee it's energizing but it also creates this sense of comfort and calmness and control and, and all these different feelings that kind of direct that alertness in a very positive way and that's it's a little hard to articulate exactly that, but it's like I, I need energy and alertness, but I have to perceive it in the right way uh, for it to be useful uh, to, to whatever it is I'm trying to direct it to. Did that all make sense? Yes. Uh, it's a bit of it's a bit of a fine line because. To, to try to get an environment that is energizing but not distracting is tricky. Like you said, if if you hear a conversation next to you, it, it pulls your attention away. But if you hear a bunch of conversations off in the distance where you can't quite make out the words, it creates this feeling of, ah, oh, there's people around here and they're talking and, and doing stuff. And that makes me feel awake and energized. And it's hard to get those things dialed in. 
All right, so this is what's been happening to me. And it's it doesn't have so much to do with distractions. It, here. I've been doing, and I think I've mentioned this like three times already, but I've been doing this little other challenge with my friend where we draw a new picture every day based on a classical piece of music. Yes. And the way that I kind of do that is it, it takes maybe 45 minutes, maybe 10 minutes of me listening to the song and just, you know, closing my eyes oh, and trying to figure out. you mean classical out. piece of music? Yes. What did okay, you think? I of? thought you meant a classical piece of art. No. So you listen to a, a classical piece of music and then you just try to see what it makes you feel like and then what that suggests pictorially right so you know what what type of images come to mind based on that feeling which is very difficult and not easy to do i'm sure but (laughs) this is this is the puzzle storm for art for me this is my puzzle storm and if if you haven't listened to the puzzle storm episode listen to the puzzle storm episode because i love that episode and i love this idea nobody else did (laughs) but we did right anyway so I listen to the song for about 10 minutes or so, and I just think about it, and I try to feel it, and I try to relax and just sort of mm-hmm. focus on this thing. And then if I have an idea, I kind of think about that idea, try to figure out how I'm going to draw it. It takes a lot of problem solving, a lot of thinking, and you really have to be focused on it. After that, I set the, the timer for about 25 minutes, and I just start drawing it. And if I need to go a little bit longer, that's fine. But that's about the time frame. But in that that whole 45-minute time frame, I have to be really relaxed and very focused and sort of free-form thinking and not worrying about other things. But I'm also doing this wake up at 5.30 in the morning every day for the month of February challenge. And that requires me to get to bed very early and make sure I go to bed early because if I don't go to bed early, my next day is going to be awful and torturous. So what I've been doing is I do the classical challenge at night and then I also try to go to bed on time at night. So when I get home from work, I have this list of like 10, 15 things I need to do. You know, I need to take a shower. I need to eat dinner. I need to make sure my laundry's done. You know, dishes are done, whatever. (laughs) And then I also have to do this classical thing. And what started happening was I would, I would sit down to do the the classical challenge and the drawing. And I'd be so like in a rush to try to get it over with so I can hurry up and get to bed. So I don't ruin my day the next day. And I, I realized after a couple days where it just sort of, they, they were like magnets facing the wrong direction, right? So I have this one task that's mm-hmm. pushing on the other task, and both of them require totally different states of mind. And they're just fighting each other. And both of them get ruined. If you do one right, the other mm-hmm. one gets destroyed. And if you do the other one right, the other one gets ruined. So they were just pushing on each other. So I started thinking about tasks and environments and i'm considering the end of the day a type of environment the the classical drawing challenge task is like this pale blue right you have to be calm and and kind of 
slow down and really feel it and think about it. Whereas the, the evening rush of trying to get things done so I can go to sleep really quickly is like this intense, intense uh, orange, right? And you put them together and they just don't work. Like they, they just don't fit. So I started yep. thinking, okay, well, well, where is an environment that's also a pale blue? Well, it's in the morning. I now, because I'm waking up early, I have a couple hours in the morning that are kind of like this pale blue relaxed time where that classical drawing challenge fits perfectly into. So I moved that to the morning and I moved some of the other things that I was doing before that kind of match up with that, that rush feeling. And I, I match the colors up and they fit really well together because the task is now fitting the environment and they support each other and they just kind of like harmoniously go together, I guess. And it's, it wasn't so much about distractions. Well, I, I guess the environment was becoming the distraction, but I don't know. Does that sound familiar I, no, to you? No, I'm a little... I'm going to have to save some of this for a future episode because that's a whole thing. But the, the, what you're saying, I think, is something that has been uh, really at the forefront of my mind. It's been this big uh, sort of revelation for me. And I, I think maybe we'll talk more about this in the How I Got Into Grandmaster episode. Um, so I, I moved my StarCraft playing into the morning, same as you, where I'll, I'll try to do this, this particular session of an hour, hour and a half, which, Hey, that's an old trading cycle, right? We'll talk about that soon too. Uh, <laughs> you can talk about something now though, right? I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's just, there's, it's like, there's this idea, but it's got so many hooks of other major ideas kind of yeah. hanging off and it's hard to get into all of it. Okay, I move my StarCraft playing into the morning and I do this session. And the reason why I did that was because I I, I had kind of a similar experience where I'm trying to play this game that I'm already very good at. Not to brag, maybe I'm already very good at it, but I'm trying to get better at it. And so I, I think as, as you start to get closer to the top or the not that i'm like pro level but you know as you get to the the edge you've really got to get everything right you know if you're just starting out and you just started playing a, a new game you would get good at it pretty quickly because everything's new and you just learn stuff and you get better but the problem i was having was i i need my alertness level to be very high i need to feel very awake and and just really in try hard mode of okay let's do this i'm my eyes are wide and i'm ready to go and, and i i have well established this if i am tired and lethargic or just nah i guess i'll play some games it's late at night then i can play some games and it's fine but i don't learn anything i know that i haven't progressed like those moments where i get better is when i'm on but the problem was that when you're very energized and you're very full of adrenaline and everything, the threshold for frustration is is very easy to cross. And it sounds a little bit similar to what you're experiencing where you're, you're trying to do this thing, but you also, when you're trying to go to bed and you're kind of rushed right. and what would happen was my alertness level would get too high and I start to make a lot of mistakes. It, it, it's like there's this performance curve of, 
okay, if I'm half asleep, I'm not playing well. But and as I get more and more awake and more energized, I start to play better. But there's this little tipping point where I start to make a ton of mistakes. And it's it's like I start to get frantic and, and flail and I can't actually keep things under control. Right. And That's exactly what was happening. Is yeah. It's that frantic panic, like I just right. want it over with, but also I need to do a good job. But yeah. Yeah, and it, and it that happens as well. There's a lot of things that can cause that, right? If you were gonna go perform somewhere like a piano concert or something, and you're super nervous, just that level of alertness can put you over the edge where you start doing terribly, right? Like we all understand that. You get too too panicked, your performance falls apart. Uh, so part of it is just your alertness level needs to be basically as high as you can get it without being too high because then it just it's over the top and you start to screw up but also uh your fatigue and the frustration levels those cause you to start making mistakes and so for me in the morning as my alertness is starting to ramp up again circadian rhythm is a very big part of that but just in, in the routine of it all in the morning, I'm I'm pretty clear-headed. I'm not frustrated yet. And my alertness starts to go up. And that's like the peak time of, okay, I can operate at a pretty high level and I'm not frustrated yet. And so I can try to work that threshold of playing at my absolute best just under the threshold of getting into flailing and frustration and, and like starting to degrade the performance. And so... Again, this isn't necessarily physical environment, but it's it's temporal environment of the the day. I'm in a different yeah. state of mind early in the day. I think this is really similar to what you're saying, in that for me at least, there's like that is the time where I'm able to get the the most, like the closest to my theoretical maximum of performance by having really high alertness, but also having a lot of control over that and not being frustrated and fatigued to where I can hit that that line i don't know what do, you, what do you think well i mean i don't know the exact situation for for everything or i haven't maybe i haven't thought too much about exact alertness times i really have just been looking for for time slots where i really feel like doing the task that i need to do and trying to match them up yeah which I'm sure relates to alert times or, or alert levels and everything, but it it becomes very clear when you think about it like that or when you start noticing patterns. I realized when I was coming home from work, I mean, after driving forever and working all day, my my head feels like hot, like a fever because I'm just, it's just so full of so much stress and, yeah. and stuff. And if I want to do, if I want to have any hope of doing something you know, that requires a lot of focus or a lot of clear mindedness at the end of the day, forget it. Like yeah. I used to try to force that over and over and over again, and it just doesn't work no matter how hard I, I want it to. So now I'm trying to do things that slow me down at the end of the day, that help me decompress, whatever that means. It just sort of yeah. slow down it, and, and try to make the environment fit the needs of me at the time. So in the morning, I feel very clear-minded and very focused. And so I try to put my hardest, most uh, difficult problem-solving mm -hmm. tasks at the beginning of the day. 
And that's where I have the most patience too. So it, that's just kind of how I've been thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. I, I'm starting to, to have this kind of shift in my thinking of, to me, your circadian rhythm isn't just this thing that kind of happens in the background. Uh, it, it's not, oh, I, I got to have my circadian rhythm figured out so I can sleep. It's a, it's a rhythm. And I'm starting to try and line up everything I do along that rhythm. Where the my state of mind and my energy levels and, and everything are different at 10 a.m. than they are at 10 p.m. And it's right. silly to try and, you know, do something at, you know, like I said, playing playing this game, trying to really progress and push the boundaries of my skills. I can't do that at 10 p.m. because I'm frustrated and tired and I, I go over the threshold of I start performing poorly and it, it works against me needing to go to bed. So it interferes with my deep sleep and everything like the 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 energy, the curves, I guess, of uh, you know, your, your stress hormones and your adrenaline and everything throughout the day. To me, it's one of the most useful things that I've started to do is just think about how do I structure myself and everything I do around those curves? It, it's not just mm -hmm. a, okay, I got to make sure I see daylight and put the lights down low at night because I got to, you know, my circadian rhythm, that thing that happens in the background, that's got to, you know, that's got to get me to sleep at night. I'm starting to think more like the the lioness who hunts at this time because that's when they're the most alert and like that's the time to hunt that's the time their body is ready so that's when they do it right you know animals don't go ah it's late i'm tired but i guess i better do this thing they just do what their body wants them to do and that that's kind of how i think we all ought to be thinking a little bit i mean life gets in the way it's hard to do everything right that way but it's a powerful idea well, it's interesting because you can also structure yourself to get used to needing or, or wanting to do that thing. Like the, yeah. well, I mean, I guess we'll talk about this at another episode too, but the sleep thing, I mean, after waking up at the same time every day for two weeks, now I want to get up at that time. And right. I feel like getting up at that time where I didn't before and, and everything else after having practiced this routine for a while, now that's what I want. And I've, you know, you train yourself to want these things. You train it yeah, so your, your body needs these things. It's like you have these two, these two parties of there's your body and your hormones. And that's all the way down to, I mean, sleep and melatonin. There's ghrelin for food and leptin, like all those things that happen in your body. And then there's also you, the more conscious being of i'm going to decide what i want to do now and what i want to do then and they both kind of have to work together where you say okay body you're gonna to have to be tired at midnight and i'm gonna make some choices that help line that up but i also you need to I, we need to go to bed I, I can't you know i can't lay in bed for three hours trying to be calm we got to kind of meet in the middle and if you if you wake up at a certain time every morning which we're starting to establish this month at first, it kind of sucks, but then it's like both sides of the equation get it, where I'm getting up at 8.15 every morning. I know that doesn't sound that impressive compared to your 5.30, but I'm very happy with my choice there. But I'm choosing to get up at 8.15, and at first, my body's like, nah, this isn't when we get up, but now it gets it. And so 
I'm choosing to wake up at 815 and my body is also choosing to wake up at 815 where it's, you know, 814 and my eyes open and I start to feel awake right. and I'm like, I don't, I don't need to wait, lay in bed because I'm awake now. Like the, the, the two things are starting to get it. They're starting to meet up. So is the ultimate goal to always want to feel like doing the thing that you need to do? As an ideal? Yeah. I mean, that's not, obviously yeah. that's not practical, well, but, or not always possible, but I think that's the goal. That's what we when want I, to try to do. Right. I, I, act, I don't know. I think it is. It's the, man, I'm going to mess it up. What is it? The move like water, flow like water, be yeah, like water. That's all. Be, be like, like Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah. Be like Bruce Lee. When, when I see, when I see people that are really good at what they do, I mean, I don't know. A couple artists come to mind and musicians. They they seem to enjoy every moment of the process. You don't see them getting like, God, I don't want to be an artist today. Art sucks. You know, like once a week. They don't do that. They yeah. seem to really love every part of it because it's just this sort of harmonious rhythm that they go through. And, mm -hmm. oh, okay. This, in in high school, I think I was a junior year, whatever. At the time, there was this stretch of like two years where I really wanted to be a film composer. It's laughable now because I didn't get very far in that pursuit, but I, I, you know, I wanted to be like a Hans Zimmer, John Williams type, or Danny Elfman. So I went to this composer's music camp thing at the Frost School of Music in, in Miami. So I'm a junior in high school. I go off, stay with our grandparents. I'm totally independent for the first time in my life, right? And I go to this camp. And it's just two weeks. But we... And I'm alone. I didn't know anyone else that was there. And I start, you know, learning about music and, and meeting all these new people. And all of a sudden, I'm a, totally immersed in this whole amazing, like, wonderful world of music where every social interaction has to do with music every class you go to has to do with music like every every conversation you you have is you know mm -hmm. oh what instrument do you play uh, what do you want to be when you go to college or grow up or whatever and you if you want to hang out you you know you play your music you show each other you know who your favorite composers are or whatever just everything was just so perfectly like harmonious it was this mm -hmm. wonderful little bubble of of music and i just i think about that environment and it's a little bit different than what we're talking about like a whatever you call it temporal environment this was like a, a for real environment that i was in for two weeks and mm -hmm. it felt so healthy and so in enriching and i'm sure you know after if i had done that for years maybe that would have faded a bit and I'm probably idealizing, but I think about that a lot. Everyone was so on the same page of really wanting to learn everything they could. You were constantly being challenged to, to prove yourself in a way where we would have a composition, um, like recitals. So you write a song and then you play it together. You write a song with a couple different parts and you have other people play it with you and you, you play concerts and you have like a talent show and 
it was just amazing because you couldn't hide. You had to to show what you really did. I don't know. I was constantly being challenged and then just enriched by all these conversations. And then you just share knowledge. It was just amazing. And I think about that environment and I want that for the type of stuff that I want to do all the time. I want to have conversations like this about, you know, stuff I'm interested in and I want to be challenged with it. I forget where I'm going with this, but that was just a really cool environment that I think, oh, it was harmonious, I guess. It was just like all around. It was really good. Every single aspect of it just seemed to all fit together. And it was never like, oh, I want to quit music. Music sucks. Like, I was never trying to force anything. It was just pure joy. It was amazing. There, I, I, I've heard, I've heard some talk about this in the neuroscience world and stuff like that. Um, how there, there's kind of this relationship between your internal state and your external state, where you have certain. I mean, even back to the the two factor theory of emotion thing, right? You get adrenaline. And that's just a, that's part of your internal state. That's like what happens inside of you. And then the environment around you is in, in a major way part of what determines what that winds up feeling like for you, whether you feel euphoric and happy or frustrated and angry and whatever. There, There is this harmony, like you called it, or there, you want there to be between what's happening with you and then how how the environment around you is helping you see that and, and interpret that. Where if you feel this feeling of, man, I love this composer and I really want to do this thing. And then your environment around you is like, John Williams sucks. He just ripped off the planets right. and he does the same thing every time. And you shouldn't be a composer. Like, shut up. Just <laughs> shut up. God. Ugh. <laughs> Anyway, continue. <laughs> right, just an ex- hypothetical, right? Right. Um, God, just shut the... Anyway, I hate that. Uh, I guess I'll do more bleeping for this episode. <laughs> um, the, part of what... Part of what you feel inside of you kind of gets reflected or filtered or whatever off of your environment, and, and the environment around you very much determines how that winds up feeling to you whether you feel really good about this this desire this whatever it is this emotion that you have uh and then like how that interacts with the environment around you anyway we i i feel like we could go on this in a million different directions forever but maybe let's leave it at this like the environment around you is ridiculously important I mean, it's it's more important than even we are giving it credit for. It it shapes. I mean, there there's theories out there. It gets into philosophy a little bit, but there's there's this notion that maybe we don't even really have free will and we're just the product of our environment. There are some people who think that literally the environment is the only thing that matters, and you aren't really even making decisions. You're just carried along the winds of the environment that you're in. I don't really buy that, but it's it's good to understand that that's one end of the the thought spectrum that it's that important that maybe it's the only thing that matters well there is i mean the the way we form uh, 
I don't want to use the word success, but the, the way we form what is successful is yeah is based on the environment that we've we've observed and so like i have this clear idea of what is successful in that what i want to do with art or music or what i want to do with my life and the only way that i've formed that is by looking at the environment in front of me and so if that environment had been different then my conception of what i want to do with my life would be different and i am mm -hmm. literally judging success or failure based off of what i've seen and what i've sort of pieced together from an environment so yeah i think it's extremely important so i guess if if you take anything away from this the number one most important thing is just to take vitamin d yeah take the magic pills That's, and forget right, about just the take rest. vitamin d right <laughs> yeah that kind of sums it up no seriously <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, my my kind of basic framework for environments is uh distraction level uh energy level like how that prompts your energy and then that hard to define interpretation part of it which i think is kind of what you're talking about with the music camp and everything but there's you want a a vibe of positive this sounds really lame positive energy yeah. i guess uh, like energy yeah i, I can't think of a yeah i can't think of a better way to say it a, an environment of like non something that lines up with with what you're trying to do i guess yeah like controlled productive energy that's the best i can do it's a little better I, well i'll come up with something better later that's right. Yeah, for for me, it's does the does doing this task feel good? I mean, do, does it really feel good to be doing this task? If the answer is no, well, is there a time in my day or in my week or s yeah. some other place where if I did the task, it would feel good? All right. So the to recap, a couple business items here. The challenge for the month is to choose a time to wake up, and then wake up at that time, Daniel very stupidly chose 5.30. I chose a much more casual 8.15, which I'm very happy with. Um, so that's the month's you still challenge. You screwed that up at the beginning. but yeah, It took a couple days. All right, no judgment. <laughs> I'm, I'm there now. I'm feeling good. Uh, so that's the challenge for the month. We're, we're also lining up something new for next month. Uh, I also uh, decided to restart the pull-up challenge. So if you want to get onto the daily habit of doing pull-ups, you can jump onto that Google Sheet. Uh, we also... Uh, opened up uh, support channels through <clears throat> through YouTube and Anchor. So if you want to support the podcast, that is an option now. We're kind of soft rollout for that. And for the people who have already done that without us even mentioning it, you're awesome. Thank you very much. You know who you are. Uh, but we'll be back next week. Do we have any challenge for the following week? Or for this upcoming week? No. I mean, I if if you aren't doing the wake up at the same time every day challenge just do it for one week i mean yeah how about it it's be? yeah it's all and then we'll be talking about that next week and then next week we'll announce what the challenge is for march right i'm excited about it. yeah cool all right we'll see you all next week